here. I mean, I absolutely love what you folks do. You're going to find out more about why I love what you do. But first, I want to take you on a little uh, trip back in time. How many people recognize this thing? Anybody actually have one of those? Can anyone do that? Anybody? With a hand? I saw like one back there. Something. Okay. How, how fast is your best time? You never time yourself? <clears throat> 23 minutes. I did that sucker in 23 minutes. Now, that's how long it took me to take all the stickers off and put them back on the right order. And I, I swear my siblings knew I had done it because it was like putting nine pictures on the wall and trying to get them all straight. You know, some of the stickers were like this. But uh, I could never do that thing. It was so hard. And so my son and I decide one day we're going to do a mandate, right? It's my my 15-year-old and I, we didn't really have a plan, so we just got in the car, started driving, and we decided, you know what, we live in Tampa, Florida, we're going to go down to the beach, put our toes in the sand, just hang out, eat some snacks. We stopped at a Walgreens, and while we're walking around looking for some snacks and drinks at Walgreens, he spots this thing. Whoa, he spots this thing. And he says, Dad, it's only got four little squares on the side of it. This is going to be really easy compared to this one, right? We should get this thing. We've never been able to do that. We'll certainly be able to do this one, right? So we got this, and we went to the beach, and we sat there for an hour, passing it back and forth, trying to figure out how to do this thing. And after an hour, we discovered that this was not twice as easy. We felt twice as dumb. Because <laughs> we couldn't make it work, right? We didn't understand the formula as to how this worked. Now check this guy out. Think he knows the formula? Boom. All right? Four and a half seconds. That's the world record. Now, what they didn't show you in that video is before he reaches down and picks it up, there's a shoebox over it. They lift the shoebox. He has five seconds to look at it before he picks it up and does that. Unbelievable. That's the power of knowing the formula. So, this, has anyone ever been to my studio? Raise your hand if you've been to my video production studio. Yeah, I've got a couple people in here that have, that have come down to see us. This is emblazoned on the wall of my studio. Why? Because everybody, editors, videographers, my creative director, producers, it doesn't matter. If you work for me, you create video, you create marketing, this is what we live by every single day. People will forget what you said, people will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. Now this comes from my angel, of course. Was this a woman that had to sell people on an idea? a message, the entire civil rights movement? Heck, yeah, she did. And she understood how to talk to you. She understood that at the end of the day, every single buying decision is made with the heart. It's not made with the head, right? The head just justifies the decision after the fact. The heart is what makes the decision up front. The head just decides, you know what? This is what I need to do, the heavy lifting I need to do, to give the heart what it wants. Perfect example of that. I had this truck. This thing was awesome. Look at the bottom of the screen. 4,600 pound SUV. They decided to put a Corvette engine in it. Woo! My son used to sit next to me and elbow me and just be like, Dad, Dad, just, just punch it, Dad. Put the pedal down just for, just for a second, right? And he'd grab all the white knuckles and he'd laugh, you know? <laughs> While this thing is, you know, pinning his head to the seat. It was awesome. Zero to 60 in 5.2 seconds. Got about six miles of gallon. It's awesome. <laughs> Back and forth to the gas station. That was about it, right? So, Car Driver Magazine 
They interview guys in GM and say, why did you create this completely like nonsensical vehicle? Why did you do this? This was their response. He said, it's going to be a mid-30s guy with a wife and two kids. He'll tell the missus they need a practical, run-of-the-mill SUV that'll tow the boat. She's going to love the sound of Chevy, right? Nothing too fancy. He'll come home with a Trailblazer SS and never once tell her it's a hot rod. And because of the way thing, the thing looks and drives, she'll never know. Now, let me ask you, did that guy know exactly who he was selling to and how to speak to his heart? Yeah, how about Harley Davidson, right? There's a big brand. Harley Davidson, you would think, oh, you know what? When they sell, they're selling to the guy who's got leather chaps and studs and tassels and all. No, 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 no. That's not who they're selling to. They're selling to the CPA who's sitting in a little cubicle all week long and wants to feel like a renegade on the weekends. They know who they're talking to. They know how to inspire the heart. So, how effective is appealing to the heart? Well, let's take a look here. This is five years of me being on national television. That's 250 products that I sold during that time. Now, in the world of television retail, about one in every 15 to one in 20 products is ever truly successful. When you go out on the air, the network puts projections on what they're hoping you will sell. Right? They're saying, look, you have to run at a certain number of thousands of dollars per minute, and if you don't, you're cut, you're out of there. So, statistically speaking, this should be my sales record. Everything in red up there should be what I've had success in selling and exceeding network projections. Here's my resume. One less than two. Why? Because I knew how to speak to people's hearts. I knew how to engage their emotions. I knew how to make them feel something significant. And that was what led to me being a problem solver for them and me being able to bring a product into their home that was going to transform their life. That is what the knowing the formula means. So let's talk about the foundation for sales. First, buying is an emotional decision. We've already established that. Number two, people buy what they feel an immediate need for. Immediate. That means it's really, really hard when you're selling life insurance. Or it's really, really hard when you're a personal trainer and you're trying to sell somebody on the idea of, hey, look, if you work your butt off six months from now, you might look a little better. No, 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 no. You want to know how you sell that product? You sell it like this. How many ladies have a dress in the back of their closet that you can't really get rid of because when you used to fit in it, oh my god, you look smoking in that outfit. And you're thinking, I just don't have it in me to throw that away. So it sits in the back of the closet. All the clothes you wear every day are up here, but that one's back there. And you tell yourself, someday, I'm going to have that back on. <laughs> ladies, I want you to take that dress and I want you to move it right to the front of your closet and look at it every day because I'll have you wearing it in 30 days. Ah, right? Okay. Okay. That is immediate results. It is an emotional payoff that happens immediately for the viewer. Next thing, people want ultra convenient solutions to common problems. Hey, listen, there are a lot of solutions to problems, but you have to tell people something that is different about you, that makes it seem ultra convenient. And when I say seem, the only reason I say that is because there could be other businesses out there that are doing exactly the same thing that you're doing. But if they're not claiming to be ultra-convenient, and you are, then you're the ultra-convenient solution. So make sure that your uh, people are seeing in your messaging that you are ultra-convenient. People buy items, they understand, and of course people return items that you don't understand. So you want to be very, very clear. Now, let's talk for a second about key points. This is a big deal. 
How many people know the difference between a feature and a benefit? We've got a couple of hands in the room. Okay, here's the difference. A feature, a feature of this is that it is a cube. It is covered in little tiny squares. They rotate in all kinds of different directions. And, uh, you know, it, it's kind of light and small in the hand, and it's a, it's a portable game. Those are all features. Features are the engineering that makes something work. Benefit is the ultimate, uh, ultimate emotional payoff for the person who buys this. So what's the benefit? The benefit is keep this in your purse, moms, and the next time you're sitting in the doctor's office waiting room and things got a little bit of time and you see other people in front of you, break this out and do it with your son or your daughter or keep them occupied for however long it takes for them to come out and call you. Now that is an outcome. It's an emotional benefit. That's the difference. So when I'm talking about the top three benefits of a product and its supporting features, you understand what I mean. People do not buy products because they have 20 different problems. The problem with looking at something and saying, you know what, this does 20 different things right, so I'm going to talk about all of them when I'm giving somebody a sales message. You're going to completely lose them. People are not interested in fixing 20 problems in their life. People only have one or two problems. It's the reason they're even in the market in the first place. So make sure you're very focused with what you're telling them and know what the top three are. I'll give you a perfect example of that. This was one of the first items that I ever sold on retail television. Now take a look at this. Has anyone ever heard of Vax? The, the, the vacuum cleaner company? Yeah, I don't think anyone from the United States has ever raised their hand in that question. Right? It is, this is apparently a big name on the other side of the pond. All right, you go over to Europe, they've heard of Vax. Over here, nothing. $400. Holy moly, I had this vacuum to sell before Dyson had come out with the ball and all of the more advanced vacuum cleaners, but Dyson was still a huge name. You could get an entry-level Dyson for $400. You could get a top-of-the-line Hoover for the same price. And I was coming out there with a vacuum cleaner that looked like a spaceship that nobody had ever seen before from a name nobody had ever heard of before for $400. And I got out there and I did my demos. Everything went perfect, and we sold nothing. And I went over to the producer afterward, he's monitoring sales in real time. He sees how many calls are coming in and how many people are buying. And I said, is there any moment in my presentation where there was a blip where people were actually paying attention and buying? He said, you know there was? There was one moment. It's when you pulled out the retractable cord and you let it go back into the back. I thought, hmm, that's interesting. So I went on Google, did a little research. Turns out, at the time, this was the only vacuum cleaner with a retractable cord. And I thought, holy moly, that's a really expensive thing to put on a vacuum cleaner. That's why it was so expensive, was that feature. Now, I had gotten out there at first, and I had talked about, hey, it's an ergonomic handle, and it's got the steering thing, and the dust bin is twice as big, it'll hold twice as much, and the wand comes out, and it goes 10 feet away from the vacuum, it's got a 30-foot cord, blah, 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 right? Everything I could think of that was awesome about the vacuum. The second time I got out there, I didn't. I went, walked out, my vacuum cleaner was sitting there, I grabbed it, and I went like this, look at this thing, it vacuums, oh hey, check this out, zip, bam, let the cord go back. Calls went up. My producer gets in my ear and goes, ooh, cord, do we get this? Over here. Hey, listen, I showed you vacuums, did you see this? Zip, 
Bang on, let the, let the plug go back. Sales go up again. He's like, oh my god, that's gold. Do it again. It's all back. I pulled that cord out like 200 times. It didn't matter what demo I was doing. I was there, I was sucking up little fuzz balls. I would only use the vacuum for about 10 seconds and then say, hey, watch this. <laughs> Bang on, this will save your marriage. Hold on. <laughs> I let it go back over and over and over again. We sold that sucker out. It was gone. HSN came back to me and said, holy crap, we never thought that vacuum would work. I said, thanks for giving me the vacuum. The only one on the planet with a retractable cord. Knowing your top three benefits. Very big deal. All right. Now, not everything always goes as planned. Case in point. <laughs> Hold on a minute. I got to go back. I got to go back. <laughs> I'm looking at my own video in monitor and I'm thinking, this is hysterical. Hold on a second. Here we go. What? All I do is turn on all of the air. This is a music video that somebody made of me smashing a television set on HSN. I didn't even know that that was a big deal until after it had happened. Like, I, I, I'm a tennis player. I got a wicked serve. You stand across the other side of the court from me, you better jump out of the way when the ball comes, alright? Wicked serve. And I was some of the weed. And I had done amazing things with the Wii. We had incredible sales with that. When I got out there, a little tennis racket attachment goes on the end of the remote. I lift my arm to serve, and boom, the tennis racket comes right off the end of the remote and smashes the television set on TV. And I thought, okay, mistakes happen, right? I'm driving to work the next morning, and the guy on our radio show that does the morning show on the top 40 station is like, hey, has anyone seen this moron that smashed the TV on national television? I find out this thing went to Keith Olbermann's top 10, it was front page on Yahoo, it was all over the place. Two million people within the first week watched that video and this guy decided to make a music track out of it, like put together a music video. Absolutely crazy. Not everything always goes as planned. So, you've got to make sure that you see how your pitch is landing. Alright? Very, very important. When you come up with any kind of sales message for your company, you've got to make sure that you're pitching the people inside your company, but more importantly, you're going to the people that are not your friends, the people who are not your employees, the people who are not your immediate circle, because those people are going to give you feedback just so they can feel valuable to you. That's what they do. You pitch your family, they're like, oh, honey, that's great. That's beautiful. You pitch your best friend, she's like, oh my God, I wouldn't change a thing. It's amazing. You pitch somebody outside that circle, they'll tell you what they really think. So that's important. Make sure that you're giving people that message and you're pitching people. If you don't practice, stuff like this can happen. This is my good friend Amy Morrison, show host on HSN. She's out there selling Jones New York faux fur sweater vests. And as she's sitting out there and she's selling these things, all of a sudden a testimonial caller comes in, phone rings. Now, those calls are real. Alright? They come in from callers. And the producer says, hey, it looks like your account is, good, is in good standing. You know, did you buy this? You know, okay, great. What are you going to talk about with the host? Sounds good. And they put them through onto the air. Well, this woman called in, and apparently she sweet-talked the producer because she got on the air. And as soon as she got on the air, Amy leans in and goes, oh, we got Mary from Wisconsin. Mary, did you buy our faux fur vest today? And Mary said, heck no, I didn't buy your faux fur vest. I can't believe what you're doing to all those poor foes. How many foes had to die for you to create that 
So we're trying it first. This is probably one of, oh God. All right. Has anybody ever heard of this thing? Gotta stop her. All right. So I got a guy that calls me up, and I have sold a lot of products to this guy. He's, he's really, he comes up with little uh, inexpensive, cool fixes to everyday problems, and I, I sold tons and tons and tons of products for him. He calls me up one day, he goes, Corey, I found a new product for you. I said, great, dude, tell me about it. He said, it's called Crevastock. I said, excuse me? He said, it's called Crevastock. I said, okay, what does it do? He said, well, you shove it down in the crack between your center console and your seat and your car, and it stops the changing keys and stuff from falling down on your seat. And I said, oh, okay, uh, how much is it? He said, it's a two-pack for 20 bucks. He said, holy moly, I can sell anything at $20. That's easy, right? He says, great. You'll take it? I said, I'll take it. I go out on the air with the crap stop. Good Lord. <laughs> so, I'm swearing to you this was a setup from the beginning because of all the show hosts, and there's 40-something show hosts in the network, of all the show hosts, they decided to put me on the air. They put me out there with Helen Keith. Helen Keith was a Las Vegas headliner comedian, opening act of the Chicken Mail Dancers. And they gave me her as a host. So I walk in to do my host meeting before I'm going to go on the air, and I sit down with Helen, and you know, we always chit chat about whatever product is coming up. She's like, Corey, we've got a new product. I said, Yes, we do. She said, What's it called? The crap stuffer? I said, Oh, it's the crap And she's like, Yeah, 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 whatever, same thing, right? So we go out on the air with this thing. And I'm thinking, this is going, like, this is not going to be good. By the way, I meet with my producer after that, and he asks me, he's like, uh, so, do you meet with Helen? Uh, yep. He's like, how'd that go? He said, he just started laughing, he turned around and walked away. Now, this guy is Mr. Funny Man at HSN. He does spot-on impersonations of every person in the network. Everybody knows him. He's kind of like the class clown. He's my producer, which means I've got a little speaker in my ear, but I'm out there on the air. His is the only voice I'm going to hear in there the whole time. So we go out to sell this thing. Here comes, here comes Helen Keene. She comes walking out on set, and she's like, let's sell some crack stuffers. And I said, Helen, it's the crap stopper. She's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'll get it right when it's time, right? So we go out there, and we start selling this thing. Now, I am holding on by a thread. There's nothing I can say about this product that's the right thing. Every time I open my mouth, it's like you shove this in your crack, you foreign objects from lodging themselves in your crevice. I can't speak about this thing. It's all wrong every time I open my mouth. And Helen's not helping, okay? The camera's on me. It's not looking at her. She's standing to my right. And she's standing over there with one of these things at waist level, swinging it around and smacking it over there. My producer, Jen, he's in my ear, he's breathing, he's going, uh, uh. I'm thinking, oh my God, I'm not going to make it, right? So Helen, Helen turns to me, and she goes, hey, Corey, didn't you have some kind of demonstration that you wanted to do? And I'm like, yes. And I walked right off set, I'm thinking, okay, a couple seconds to, like, gain my composure here before I go to the car, which is parked nearby, and I'm going to do my demonstration in the car. It's a convertible, camera's overhead, so it can look down, it can see me using this thing. And then there's another camera over here that I'm talking to. So I take about 10 seconds, get my composure. Helen says, and Corey's going to show us how to demo the product. The camera comes back to me, and I hold the product up. And I realize, wait a minute, I haven't told anybody about the little slot in it. You see that little slot down there at the bottom? 
that's for your seatbelt adapter, right? If you look at the picture in the circle, you see the seatbelt adapters for that. But this whole thing is, is black and made of this squishy material, like spandex and everything. And I'm thinking, people can't see the slot, right? So I decide, I'm going to show America the slot. So I hold it up in front of me, and I shove two fingers in there. And Jared, my producer, he gets in my ear and he's like, uh, Corey, uh, look at the monitor. So I look out from the eye to see what America I can see in the monitor. I'm like, oh God, I put my hand out, right? Of my list of products that I did exceptionally well with, the credit stopper is not one of them, right? That's not highlighted in rent. Just want to be very clear with that, okay? So sometimes, Sometimes you really got to go back to the beginning and address the messaging because it's not landing the way you think it is. The guy who invented the credit stopper came back to me and he said, Doug and I, why don't you sell more? And I said, couldn't you? Maybe did anything else. This is horrible. So let's talk about what you don't do when you're selling, all right? I call this my seven deadly sins to sell. These are things that if you do this, you will either lose the sale or you will have a big obstacle to overcome to get that person to buy after the fact. These are things you stay away from, don't ever do these seven things. First of all, winging it. Do not, under any circumstances, walk into a sales conversation, walk into creating a message for a video, post something on social media and hoping to convert. Don't ever do it shooting from the hip. Have a plan and know that that plan works. That's the first thing. Second one. Overcomplicated. This is one I've dealt with many, many times with people who invent a product or have created a business, and they've been so in touch with every nuance of that product or business, they know everything it can do, and they're so proud of it. I've had people tell me that they want me to spend a significant amount of time during a national television presentation talking about the packaging because it's so beautiful. People aren't buying product to keep the packaging, okay? That's not what I'm going to spend my time on. It's people that are too close to their business to their product, they tend to overcomplicate it. I had one product, it was called Drip Dry. Drip Dry was a solution that you poured into a bottle and then just like a couple drops of the solution and some water and you could, you could create an entire bottle of cleaner that would do everything from clean windows to degrease engines, all right? It was really, really powerful stuff. And you could create 400 bottles of cleaner from one bottle of concentrate because it was literally like in water and you can do it. Now when they first came out with it, they said, hey listen, we want to sell drip dry in containers that come in the lemon, the apple, the cinnamon, the, all these different flavors. Oh, and by the way, you can get it with the sponge or the microfiber cloth, depending upon what you want to do. Oh, by the way, it also comes in either one bottle or two, and, and I told them right from the beginning, listen, it's not going to sell. It's not going to sell. And they would listen to me, and it didn't sell. And then we went back with drip dry, and we sold one bottle with a sponge, and we smoked the numbers. It went right out the door. Because if you overcomplicate things, if you use acronyms, if you use phrases that are only known within your industry, and you're not talking to somebody who's within your industry, if you're giving people too many options, if your options are complicated, you're going to lose them because people don't want to do mental calisthenics. They want things to be simple to understand, and they want to just make a decision on the spot. So, do not overcomplicate. Next thing, fear factor, all right? This one 
is one that I've had to deal with when I'm selling emergency products. I sold fire blankets on HSM. You know, you have a you have a grease fire in your kitchen, this blanket, you throw it over the top, puts it out. I've also so, sold smoke detectors. Now, the people who made fire blankets and made smoke detectors, they were trying to coach me to talk about how many homes in America burn down because of grease fires in the kitchen. How many kids are hurt, wounded from, from fires in the household? How, you know, all the statistics of, of, of uh, horrible injury and damage. And I said, no, we're not going to mention that stuff. Why? Because no one makes a buying decision when their emotions are depressed. Ever. Ever. As a matter of fact, when you do a problem-solution type approach to messaging, the problem is 30%. The solution is 70 Always. The problem is only a springboard to launch you into the solution, the emotional recovery of the solution, where people are primed to buy, is when their emotions are inspired. So if you spend time talking about fear factor, you spend too much time on negativity, and you will lose people. They will watch. It's like driving by a bad car accident, right? You're just going to look the whole time. But those people will not take action. You will lose them every time. So do not rely on fear factor. Negative vocabulary. All right. I learned this one when I was a stay-at-home dad. Who likes ice cream? Put your hands up if you like ice cream. Yeah? Okay. Let me come right down here. We're going to run up. We're going to run an exercise. Ready? Ask them if you can have some ice cream. You're not going to get ice cream unless you eat your dinner, and there's no way. I mean, you never eat your dinner. So forget about the ice cream. It's not happening. Somebody else asked me if they can have ice cream. Can I have ice cream? You know what? Yes, you can have ice cream. You can have ice cream in 30 minutes because dinner is in 15, and I know you're going to clear your plate. If you clear your plate, ice cream is in your future. I've got a whole bowl of it for you in 30 minutes. Ice cream. <laughs> now, same exact message, right? Same thing. Same exact information was delivered, but one way was negative, one way was positive. Now, let me ask you a, an even deeper question. What was I actually selling here? Yeah. I was selling dinner. Of you two, raise your hand if you were inspired to eat your dinner. <laughs> there you go. All right, negative vocabulary. Keep it out of your messaging. Very careful. If you start mentioning things with negative words, go back and reboot it 50 times and figure out if there is a way that you can say the same thing from a positive standpoint. Bashing the competition. Now, it is okay for you to compare yourself to other options that are on the market if you are superior. But it is not okay for your message to be like 50 or 75% about how everybody else is bad. Because it, it diminishes you. You become shallow at that point. You don't ever want to rely upon bashing the competition as a primary part of your messaging. Next thing, sad stories. I just told you that nobody will make a buying decision when their emotions are depressed. On HSN, we would have testimonial callers that call in all the time. And a testimonial caller on HSN, typically, the HSN demographic is a person who's staying at home, mostly women, and she just wants some company throughout the day. She's running around, she's doing laundry, she's cleaning the house, she's you know dealing with the kids, whatever it is. And the TV just kind of there chattering in the background. And she'll stop every once in a while, she'll stop, she'll look, and she'll go, ah, I already have that, right? And then she'll come back later and go, oh, that looks cool. And she'll buy that. That's the typical demographic. Well, 
Some of these women get very, very lonely. And that HSN show host is their friend. They've been on the TV with them every day, so they'll call up and they'll say, yes, I just bought the diamond ring, and you know what, I really needed that pick me up because my husband just had a triple bypass and his dog got last week. Wow, okay? People would call in and drop that bomb all the time. Now, there are places to look for a friend, but on HSN, making that phone call, the producer immediately looked for a way to end the call. Because when you're going into 90 million homes, you just took 90 million people and went like that with them, with their emotions. And nobody will buy anything if their emotions are depressed. So sad stories. If you're going to tell a sad story, once again, just like the problem-solution formula I gave you, the sad is this much, and the happy is this much. And then people are primed for a buying decision. Last one. Focusing on benefits. I already talked to you about this. Features and benefits, right? Last year, 1.8 million people in this country bought a drill. Why did they buy a drill? Because they needed a hole. They weren't selling the drills, they were selling holes. If you go look at a cooking demonstration on any television network, you will see that they're selling cookware, but 80% of the time, you're looking at the food. Because it's those yum, yummy shots that are what people are really buying. They're not buying the cookware, they're buying the food that comes out of it. That's the benefit. Make sure you're focused on benefits, outcomes. Has this been valuable for anybody here? I got some free giveaways for you today. Here's the first one, all right? If you want to know more about customer psychology and this kind of stuff, I put together for this group a pitch guide. And the pitch guide is absolutely free. You just text pitch guide with no space in it to that phone number. And we're just going to watch it. We're going to send it off to you so that you can read through it. It takes you through some of the stuff that I haven't mentioned today that's really, really important when you're putting together your product messaging. It's also a really great way, if you're ever going to sit down with your team at your practice and you're going to kind of brainstorm what the message looks like, this is a really great guide that will lead you through, will organize that conversation for you and your team so that as you're having it, you've got a place to start and you've got a place that you're heading and you can kind of follow all the way through, okay? So just text pitch guide with no space, and by the way, your autocorrect is going to want to separate the two words, so you've got to kind of force it to put them together. Pitch guide to that number, and then we'll send that to you for free. All right. Let's let's make a transition here. Anybody else need me to leave that up? Yeah. Got it. Here we got it. Okay. If you don't have this, by the way, we have little uh, postcards right out at the uh, pitch meeting that is straight out through that door. I can draw a straight line. It's right out there, and uh, little cards actually give you that information, so you can grab that too. Why is video king? Let's start talking about video for a minute. So, as you know, I run a company, Pitch Media. Pitch Media specializes in creating really compelling sales messaging and then getting that messaging out from the right eyes. We are a full-service premium video production company and digital marketing agency. And I get up in front of people like you all the time and I talk about video, the latest trends, what's coming around the next corner, what you need to be paying attention to. And there's a whole lot that I'm going to teach you about video here, but first let's talk about why video is important. Check this out. Some people may have even seen this before. So people, when they hear something, they only retain 20% of it. When they see something, they retain 30%. Of it. 
But if you hear and see something at the same time, you retain 70% of that message. It's just the way the brain works. You put both of those things together. That's what video is. And let's face it, society is definitely speeding up. Right? My gosh. When I think about what I had to get accomplished, what my father had to get accomplished when I was a kid, and what is completely unforgiving, and I need to get accomplished every single day of my life today, there is no doubt about it. We are speeding up exponentially, which means, do you have time to sit down and have a sales conversation with every single person in your marketing? Of course not. But you want your best sales message to reach every single ear, every single time, without you putting that effort into it. You do it once, and that's it. You recycle it forever. Video is what does that. So when society is speeding up, and you have more and more and more demands, video is what makes it work. Where is video seen most these days? Social media, right? Marketing is relationships these days. In the years when Kevin did all of his infomercials, you had to take somebody from first contact to a decision to follow by the end of that video. Most videos were what we call a two-minute spot. You had 120 seconds from first contact to I want to buy this. That's it. And then unless somebody stumbled across that video again on the television station, that was it. That was your only chance. Well, now people are consuming video in a relationship environment. People don't go to relationship environments to buy. They go there to have relationships. They go there to see the latest selfie or to see the cat riding on the Roomba. They go there because their friends are hanging out there. They go there so that they can share photos and share videos with their friends and their family. They're not there to buy. But it is the biggest aggregator of human beings on this planet and is the most powerful marketing tool you can possibly have in your pocket. So how do you get people interested in buying in an environment which is completely not suited for it? You have to realize that every ounce of marketing you do is relationship-driven. Okay, we're going to get more into that in just a second. So let's talk about the power of great video messaging. 2019, all right? These are updated from 2018. 95% of messages are retained from video. Only 10% of messages are retained from text. Wow, that's a big numbers. All right. 2019 landing page stats. A website, 53 times more likely to reach the front page of Google if it has video. Video increases organic search traffic by 157%. Including a video uh, on your landing page will boost your conversion rate by 80%. These are people who are actually buying, folks, 80% by having that video on your page. Social video generates 1,200% more shares than text and images combined. If you are only doing ads that are text with a picture, you're missing the boat. You're 1,200% behind. Video is highly effective at converting. Facebook videos, they receive 135% more organic reach than Facebook photos. Four times as many customers prefer to watch a product video versus reading about it. And more video has been uploaded in the past 30 days, and you've heard Kevin say this, in the past 30 years of all TV content. Now, I will tell you that that is an update from 2018. Because in 2018, it was the past 30 years of all TV networks. 
which is like CBS, ABC, NBC, just since last year, it's all TV content. All right, all. That means your satellite channels that are like in the hundreds, it includes those two, all right? Huge, huge numbers. This one was really cool when I ran across this one earlier this year. 85% of people want to see more video from marketers. Now, why do you think that is? Can anybody answer that? Why do you think people want to see more video from marketers? You see it in action, how it does. Yeah, absolutely. But why is it engaging? Why do people actually crave seeing more? I'll tell you why. About four years ago, there was this big movement toward what we call user-generated video. User-generated video means that, you know, everybody's got a portable video production studio in their pocket. A lot of cameras are shooting 4K, beautiful on your camera, and you're thinking, wow, it's cool, and people are uploading videos from their cell phones. And at the time, it was novel, it was believable, it worked. We actually created videos at that time as marketers, which were intentionally underproduced so that they would look user-generated because it was working. Guess what? It's not working anymore. Do you know why? Because every single teenager on the planet with a cell phone is uploading in 30 days more than all TV networks combined have done in 30 years. They're all TV combined done in 30 years. That's why. It's saturated. So, let's take a look at this for just a second here. If you were to go to Google and you were to type in, in one second on the internet, it would pull up this little, uh, this little website right here. Loading, loading, loading. There you go. Take a look at that. Wow. I don't know what just happened. It's going back. It's running in fast motion. I don't even know. All right. In one second on the internet. There you go. Go to a website. Called In One Second on the Internet. Right? Now take a look here. 7,575 tweets sent in one second. If you look to the right of that, you'll see it counting up. This keeps track. This website keeps track of how many people are watching. Look at this. 68,000 YouTube videos viewed in one second. To the right of that, look, we're in, what, 1.2 million? We've been uh, 1.4 million, it's been 20 seconds. I just recorded this last week, all right? That is what you're competing with. You're competing with everybody who's got a cell phone just like you and believes that they're gonna upload something that's gonna work. It's marketers that are actually putting real creativity, real entertainment, real messaging, and real production value behind the video so that they can separate their messaging from that, from this disaster, from every teenager with a cell phone, from every single person who has the same tools in their pocket as you do. That's why 85% of people want to see more video from marketers. In 2019, Commercials posing as video content won't get it done. Online brand video must be unique, engaging, and not purely promotional. That's when Forbes magazine came out in February of this year. You know what they're saying? They're saying that if you want to engage your, your customers, you are going to do it in social media, and in social media, stuff that comes right out of the gate selling is not going to work. As a matter of fact, HubSpot did a study last year in October, and they found out that if a video comes up on your timeline on Facebook and it comes right out of the gate trying to sell you something, the person watching will scroll to get it off their timeline as quickly as possible, and it will, uh, it will actually um, it will give them a negative connotation with the brand. 
And it will save that negative connotation so that the next time they come in contact with that brand, it resurrects those negative feelings toward the brand. Because the brand tried to sell to them. By the way, how long is a view on Facebook? Three seconds. Three seconds with no audio. So you've got to make a strong case. You've got to make it really fast. And you cannot sell. So how do you do that? You tell stories. Here's my 10 rules for 2019. All right? If you want to know how to create a compelling video, this year, right now, what's current, this is it. First of all, Facebook. Tell a story or get hurt. I just went over this. Facebook is a relationship platform. How do you hook people? You hook people by drawing them into a narrative quickly with a cliffhanger that keeps them watching because they want to see how it turns out. That is social. That is personal. It's connected. It's relationship. It works. So that's rule number one. Rule number two, 75% of all video is being watched on a mobile device. What does that mean? It means that if you're making a video, you want to make sure that it uses the screen size of mobile because 75% of the people seeing that ad are going to be watching it on a cell phone or on an iPad. And that is square video, perfectly square. We call it one by one, okay? So make sure you're optimizing your mobile. Number three, awareness for brand building. There are three types of videos that lead people through a sales process, three primary types of videos. The first one is called brand awareness. After that is engagement, after that is conversion. We'll discuss brand awareness right now. Brand awareness means all you're doing is letting people know that they have a need in their life that you can solve. It's really not becoming aware of your brand as much as becoming aware that they have a need. And then their mind is opened for a solution. And you use retargeting to go back to that same person and offer them the solution later on. But the brand awareness video is not designed to do that. I'll give you an example. We had a company come to us that uh, is completely veteran run, and they make these big wooden flags. It's called Torch Story Flags. And they're really cool. I mean, they're, they're all handcrafted, and they actually burn the front of the torch after they're done. They've got this crispy look to them. It's really cool. But they're heavy and they're big. And we decided, okay, what's really significant about these flags? Well, what's really significant is you can buy this flag, and you can put the name of the veteran in your family on the back, and you can hand it down for generations. It's going to last for a long time. So we created a brand awareness video. Here's what it looked like. Guy comes through the window, breaks into a house, he's got a black mask on, all you see is his eyeballs, like this. He comes in, a woman comes around the corner, he startles her, takes her by surprise, goes, ah, ah, pulls out a knife. He's there to rob her. She goes, ah, reaches over, grabs a cloth flag off the wall, and throws it at her. And he goes through it with his knife, and then starts chasing her around the house. Boom, cuts to a blank screen and says, or. He comes back through the window, he's got his mask on, gets out his knife, ha ha. She goes, grabs a torch story flag, lays it out flat on the floor, puts the flag back on the mantelpiece, and dials 911, and it goes to torch story. Go for it. Okay? That is a brand awareness video. We haven't asked anybody to take action. We haven't asked anybody to buy anything. It's just letting them know, hey, look, you can have a need in your life that this particular brand can solve. So, be aware of brand awareness videos. Next thing, engagement is not conversion. Where do you close the sale? If you're making a video to put on social media to engage the interest of people looking, are you closing the sale there? Heck 
you and you're not. It's a relationship platform. You're not going to ask people to buy anything there. Don't try and get interest and closing in the same video. You'll miss the boat. Engagement simply means that you've gone back to the people who were aware of your brand and you've given them a video that is so interesting, you've aroused so much curiosity that they can't stand it. They've got to click through to find out more. They go to your landing page and that is where you close the sale. That's where you give them all the information and that is where the conversion video lives on that landing page. Focus on just one benefit. I already, said, I already told you, know your top three benefits for sales messaging, but when you're creating video, only one at a time, okay? If you have a practice that has five great things about it, that's five videos, because each one is gonna solve a problem for a different demographic, and when you go in and you do split testing for your ads, you wanna make sure that you're not trying to position yourself as the fix-all for everything you want to position yourself as the master of this one problem that that particular audience has. So, you do five things well, that's five videos. Split test different versions. I just talked to you about this. When you create video, make sure that you're coming out with different pain points at the beginning, okay? A video starts with a pain point. It starts with something that's very relational to the people watching it. Hey, you know, um, you know I've got a friend and he suffers from really bad knee pain. I mean, he used to play football in college, but he just absolutely cannot get on the screen anymore. He just tried to go down to the beach and hang out with his buddies. They invited him to play volleyball, and he couldn't get out and play volleyball because he didn't trust putting his weight on his knee in that kind of environment. That's a story that leads with a pain point. Now, if we're talking stem cell, if we're talking regenerative medicine, then the next pain point could be, I've got a friend who's a tennis player. They've got a shoulder problem. Or, if you're talking about chiropractic, I know a friend of mine who got a car accident, it was horrible, and his back pain has never gone away, it's been a decade, right? These are different pain points. They might lead everybody toward your practice, but you're talking about a different one, and you're split testing all those versions to see which one is performing the best, because at the end of the day, you want to put all your marketing money into the one that's giving you maximum conversion for the least investment. And when you reach that number, then you turn on the tap, because it's predictable. You know at that point, if I put $1,000 in, I'm going to get $10,000 out. And you can just do the math in your head and say, hey, I'm ready to put this much in and get that much out. Split testing different versions gives you that kind of control, so be ready to do that. Authenticity is king. We've already talked about Facebook being a relationship platform. Make sure that what you put up there is believable, relational, and feels very, very authentic. Remember the 60-60 rule. At 60 seconds, 60% 60 of all your viewership is gone. I don't care if you're showing them like the next Star Wars preview that nobody's seen yet. At 60 seconds, 60% are not. So make sure that you're keeping your videos restricted on timing. And that timing is coming down and getting shorter and shorter and shorter. For some brands right now, we find that the 15 to 20 second mark is actually the sweet spot for their particular videos. So you want to make sure, once again, you're split testing it and you want to make sure that you're being aware of timing. Next one. Be ready to refresh. We know that video lasts about four months. Or no, I'm sorry, three months. Three months, four times a year. You have to refresh the content. 
You've got to do it because you're retargeting an audience. You're going back and you're showing them your ads. That's how you generate sales. It's how you pick up more and more and more people. But after about three months, they've been exhausted from seeing the same thing. And if you keep showing them the same thing, then you're perceived as small time. You're perceived as somebody who thought they could make a video once and recycle it for years. You're not seen as an active, fresh, relevant brand. So you want to make sure you're continuing to refresh that content. Last thing, celebritize yourself. How do you do that? Kevin talked to you about creating content. Creating content. Make sure that you have a YouTube channel. Make sure you have a strong Facebook presence. And if you get the opportunity to align yourself with a celebrity or an influencer or get yourself on a podcast and then make sure that you can rebroadcast that to your social media, that kind of thing, make sure you're all over that because that is power and it's actually becoming more and more and more effective as time goes on. By the way, just a hint, if you're advertising on YouTube, the number one search term on YouTube that gets more and more powerful every single year by 70% is the words how to. So when you're going to title your YouTube videos, how to avoid taking opioids, how to correct your lower back pain, how to use those words. Very, very powerful. All right. So this is what we deal with in my company all the time. We deal with people who just don't even know where to start. Uh, do I get an explainer video? Do I do a spoof? Do I do, uh, am I looking at lead generation? Am I looking at conversion? Uh, maybe I'm doing a corporate mini documentary and should it appear raw or authentic? What do I do to get my messaging right? And trying to help our clients reach that goal is what we do all the time. This is my company, Pitch Media. If you're looking for us, we are right out through that door. We've got uh, some TV sets out there. We've got all kinds of cool stuff going on out there. So uh, what we do, I'm going to talk more about my why in a sec, but let me first show you what we all do. Hey, this is just walk around, and I tell you, it's very safe, it's durable, and it's like wearing a real This is my own personal. By the way, that's me 
uh, in the White Mountains of New Hampshire about uh, four months ago. I'm a long-distance backpacker. And uh, my wives to empower people so they fearlessly go beyond the limits of what they believe they do. If you want to talk to anyone of my four kids, you will find out fast that uh, Dad absolutely will not accept me saying I can't do that. He won't. I'm going to say, yes, you can. You just don't know how. Let me show you. Let me teach you. Let's find the person that knows. I do not want them to have any kind of limits on their life. And when my wife and I put our lives together, by the way, that's a, that's a part of our team down our studio in, in St. Florida. This is our company line to elevate people's thinking so their self-limiting beliefs are shattered. What is self-limiting? Being physically not able to do what you want to do in your life. When we started looking into the different companies we wanted to work with, the different verticals that we wanted to work in, we were passionate about, right at the top of our very first vertical was stem cell and functional medicine. It was right there. Because people who believe that they hit a ceiling in their life, they're never going to swing that racket again. They're not going to play golf like Kevin was. People believe that they're limited, and that's it. They don't have options. And then you folks step in and you change that. That's awesome. It shows people they don't have a ceiling in their life. They can go beyond that. And I respect you very much for that. So when I said, I love getting up in front of you folks and talking to you, that is why. Hey, listen, at the end of the day, I've got to agree with Charles Darwin on this one, all right? It's not the strongest of the species that survive. It's the ones most uh, responsive to change. And really, that's the environment we're in. In the world of video marketing, I know that there are things that were working six months ago that are not working right now. And I can tell you things that are working now that have only started working a few months ago. And I can tell you what's coming up in March and April of next year that's going to be working. It's not working right now, but it will be then because of changes that are coming. So it's really, really important that you stay with your finger on the pulse of what's working and what's not in video advertising. If you can partner with you on that, I'd love to. Either way, thank you for having me here today. I really appreciate it.